gathered together from the cosmic reaches of the universe, here in this great hall of justice. The superheroes have to be around other superheroes. You know what I mean? That's the hall of justice is more about them just commiserating about their powers and less about them like actually fighting crime. Seth Everett is the best there is at what he does, Bob. And what he does is the Hall of Justice Podcast. Welcome to another edition of the Hall of Justice. Happy holidays to those of you, whatever holidays you celebrate. Hanukkah is over. Christmas hasn't happened yet. And it doesn't matter because we're talking about things that are a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. Uh, this is the Hall of Justice, episode 213. It's a Star Wars episode. So we bring in our Star Wars insider. I love that he has that title on this podcast. He is also the owner of a, a an amazing Hollywood bar called The Scum and Villainy. He knows more about Star Wars, and I've known him now for nearly two decades. And we have had these Star Wars conversations on subways. We've had them at baseball fields. And now every time there's something Star Wars-y, we have J.C. Reifenberg on the show. J.C., uh, the proud papa, uh, last time we had you on... I do believe you were expecting. I don't think we've had you on the podcast since the baby has been born. Is that true? Uh, I do not believe so. I, I don't think I, I haven't done a lot. I do the Fat Man show and my Mando show each week, but I don't I've not done much other uh, Star Wars talk since my baby has come. Since the baby is born. She's and six, six weeks old. So the last time we did a Star Wars centric podcast. Uh, it was episode 183, 182, by the way, Kevin Smith, not to be undershadowed by episode 181, which was Steve Gutenberg. I just want that all noted. Um, nonetheless, uh, we were reviewing Star Wars, the Clone Wars, and we were gushing over that. Uh, you have done the Mandalorian podcast. We actually split that into two episodes. I remember that. Um, we're going to try not to do that this time. We're going to try to give one because next week is Wonder Woman 1984. But... Holy bejesus. Holy moly. Holy crap. Whatever holy you want to say. And well, let's not bury the lead here. Luke well, I'll say Skywalker. Luke. Okay. Well, hold on. Hold on. You saw the warning. You've seen everything. You know this podcast. We do spoilers. And actually, The Force Awakens was the reason we decided to do all reviews with spoilers because of the fact that you can't review something properly without talking about the plot. That being said, Luke freaking Skywalker. I will say this. Uh, 
before we get to Luke Skywalker, you mentioned I have a daughter now. My daughter's name is Jocelyn, but we spelled it J-O-S-L-Y-N. So we could shorten it to Jin, right. like Jin Ursa. And you told us that at the end of Star Wars 183. <laughs> you told us that. And the epi- when we talked the Clone Wars, you told us that. And it was right at the end. And I said, oh, my God, I can't believe we talked about that at the very, very end because we couldn't reference it later on, later on, later on. And literally, uh, and it's been great. And the pictures are are adorable. I've seen them on social media. You've sent me a few. Congratulations. You are not sleeping. And so you saw The Mandalorian on the day that it came out at four in the morning, not because of your Star Wars fandom. No, my fandom for my baby is much bigger than the Star Wars fandom. But coincidentally, she woke up at 3.30. So I watched the episode and I texted you and I was like, all right, I'm, I'm ready to do this. We got to do this today because Luke Skywalker is back. <laughs> Let me say real quick, out the gate, Luke Skywalker is my hero. You know, some people love Batman. Some people love Superman. Luke Skywalker in the black Jedi outfit with the green lightsaber is my hero. That I thought we were going to get some derivative of in episode seven, in episode eight, or maybe even episode nine. And we did not. And it was crushing to me. I, I expected to watch those movies and see my family again. And I didn't get that. And I almost, when there were like one X-Wing shows show, uh, on the, Scopes. I was like, Cara Dune goes, what's one X-Wing going to do? Great. (laughs) So here's the thing. I have like battered fan syndrome that I thought that it was going to be that dude that we've seen pop up, the X-Wing guy pop up a few times in the previous episodes. The guy that hired Cara Dune and the guy that uh, rescued them from uh, the ice. Yeah, I thought that's what we were going to get. And then they park. And like we get glimpses of like a cloak or glimpses of the boots or glimpses. And I'm like, this is a really, really crappy thing to do to us old fans. A, if you're just a, gonna red drop herring, right. Yeah, if you're just gonna drop Ezra or something <laughs> like that in here, like I get it, but like And, and man, if you had dropped a, Ezra, that's fine, but don't do it that way. Yeah, but don't tease me. Like I'm already, I'm already hurt. I'm already wounded. And then they showed the hilt. And they took a second to really get you there. And I know a lot of people are like, I knew the moment I saw the cloak. And I was like, I nope, didn't. You didn't. I, you didn't. I, I was terrified they were going to do something stupid. And they didn't. They did exactly. Here's the crazy thing about bringing Luke Skywalker back. It should be, if you know the story, the most obvious thing. It's the most obvious thing to do. Of course you bring back Luke Skywalker. He is out there searching for Jedi. Grogu called for help from the Jedi. Of course you bring Luke in. However, it is the ballsiest move. Oh and I God. love it. It's it, John Favreau wrote it and Peyton Reed directed it. Now, who's Peyton Reed? He's the guy who directed Ant-Man and Ant-Man and the Wasp. Uh, two fantastic movies. So you're talking about uh, uh, in this generation of royalty these are these are producers writers and directors royalty uh with all kinds of credentials um i didn't see it coming and you didn't no one saw it coming the the beauty of what they did is it's very reminiscent of leia in rogue one that's what it looks like um 
it says in the credits that that's Mark Hamill. I don't know what they did to his voice to make him sound younger, but it, I think I, they, I think they probably pulled and chopped up dialogue from some of the dialogues from 1983. Right, right. Because in Rogue One, when Leia says hope, she's literally talking to Obi-Wan Kenobi in the thing when she, you know, when they say, what is this sick? What, what are these plans for princess? And she says, hope you can hear where that dialogue came from. I'm sure if I see it over and over and over again, you'll see uh, where some of his dialogue came from, but he's also an accomplished voice actor. So maybe he came in and did something uh, to, to add to it. I wasn't sure, uh, but it was Luke Skywalker. Now remember the timeline of the Mandalorian. It's five years after return of the Jedi. And you saw glimpses and you know, if, if, if the, sequ the sequel trilogy gave us two things. Number one, it made J.C. Reifenberg the Star Wars insider of the Hall of Justice podcast because literally we had him on because I needed somebody to talk to about Force Awakens. And it gave you that two-minute scene that I want to be an animated series of Luke and Leia training on Dagobah that they had that flashback to of Luke and Leia tra training after uh, the Emperor is, is defeated. It's that Luke Skywalker. Mm -hmm. And by it's the, the way, one we've wanted. It, this right, that's the one. Now, to their defense, if you look at the timeline, and we do, we've done this before when I've had you on, when you look at when Disney bought Lucasfilm and what you think about what the climate was then with the Avengers having had all that success in the cinema, of course, Marvel's going to, uh, Disney's going to say, you have to come out with a trilogy. And they brought in the right guy, J.J. Abrams. And J.J. Abrams said, those actors have aged 30 years. We have to advance the story 30 years. But what you left behind was a treasure trove of information. And I have audio of you saying way back when, before The Last Jedi, what they need to do is think about the time between six and seven and between three and four because that is a treasure trove of information. That's a treasure trove of storytelling. That's why Star Wars Rebels came out. That's why the Clone Wars, well, it, Clone Wars is between two and three, but that's why the Clone Wars have had such success. And now the Mandalorian. And now you have all these spinoffs, all these spinoffs, and think about where in the timeline all of them are. They're all between three and four and six and seven. And it's perfect. It's exactly what people have asked for. Yeah, it's uh, it's uh, it's it's the most obvious thing, like I said before, but it's brilliant. And it's scratched an itch that uh, I've had for 37 years, Seth. 37 years. My 40th birthday is in two weeks. Since 1983, I've wanted to see what I saw today. And it was a brilliant yin to the yang that we got in Rogue One with Darth Vader. You have now seen the, you've seen what you always wanted to see with these two characters that are iconic. And here's the part I love. And nobody's talking about it because of Luke Skywalker. But you had a moment with Grogu that he looks up at his dad and he doesn't speak English, but he may have said, let me look upon you with my own eyes. You had the the father removing his helmet oh, so the son could see his face for the first time. And you have Luke Skywalker who just went through that trauma five years ago, <laughs> watching this take place. 
he knows what's he knows what's about to happen here. He knows he just lived this moment and he's living it again with Grogu and the Mandalorian. That's why Luke's not a dick about it. And like saying, like, I gotta take the kid. Like Luke just lived this moment. It's it's fantastic. This portion of the Hall of Justice is brought to you by Elocamps. Elocamps is your audio superpower because it helps you get through all the things you don't have time to read. Wait a minute. I don't have a lot of time to read many things. Elocamps is an app that turns articles, emails, and documents into audio podcasts instantly. You can take articles stuck in your browser windows, and I have plenty. All my sports articles, all my superhero articles, even some Prince articles I haven't even read yet. Elecants turns them into audio, so if I'm driving, if I'm editing, I've been blocking out time to exercise. That's another topic altogether. There are so many services out there that take audio and turn them into text. This does the exact opposite. It says here you should listen to them while you're running. Clearly they don't know me. I only run when chased. Listen to a PDF document while in the car, doing things around the house. Give your eyes a break from your screen by listening instead of reading. There's even a Chrome extension so you can add articles and web pages directly to your app. You can find Elecants in the App Store or Google Play for iOS or Android if that's your drug of choice. It's spelled E-L-O-C-A-N-C-E. Download the app now. Start listening on the go. Check out Elecants. And now, back to the Hall of Justice. The connection between the Mandalorian and, I mean, Grogu's his name, and I, I, I still call him Baby Yoda. You call him whatever you want. The fact is, is the bond between them and the interesting parts of, of, of his storyline during this season, uh, given the fact that he is 50 years old. And that's something that we barely touch on in season one because no one understands how that species ages. But the reality of it is, is now we know that he was hidden from the from the temple when Anakin Skywalker, Darth Vader, whatever you want to call him, in episode three kills all the younglings. And there is a deleted scene now in, 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 the, in the history of Grogu getting away. And he's seen that. And then where has he been all this time? Where was he during the whole trilogy? Again, you want to do an animated series on that? Be my guest. Like, you can do all of this. It is incredible to hear this guy's backstory. And Ahsoka says something in this story that she doesn't want to train him because he's attached. Mm -hmm. And it references the fact that Anakin trained her and went became Darth Vader. Yeah, I mean, it's gold. Yeah, I don't know if you also caught, because we've talked a little bit about the sequel trilogy, Luke's line of dialogue here, which echoes something Ahsoka says, is talent without training is meaningless. Yeah. I wonder if that's a shot. I, I Shots fired, Seth. <laughs> Shots Maybe. fired. Maybe. Uh, I'll tell you, the other thing that um, one of my friends pointed out uh, that I totally missed because uh, I'm a 40-year-old dude Star Wars fan is that we got the 
version of like uh, in Avengers Endgame when all the ladies of Marvel team up and go after yeah, Thanos. Yeah, yeah. We got that in this episode. Yep. I didn't notice it because it wasn't in my face, overt. It was completely earned and organic and set up in, in the first episode of this season. And so you're just watching a bunch of badass characters do their thing. It didn't need that like hero shot that like points out the the fact that that we are in fact uh, you know uh, woke. It just it earned it. It did it. It it just they put it in there and it didn't need to be in your face and it was amazing. And there's something I thought of tweeting and it would be grossly inappropriate because I have nothing but respect for the actress. Uh, and I would not write this because it would be totally taken out of context. But if we can quickly touch on the after credit scene where Boba Fett goes to Jabba the Hutt's palace and kills Bib Fortuna. Thank you very much. And 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 Ming-Na Wen is right there as his uh, uh, lieutenant. So does she wear the gold bikini next season? <laughs> no way. Well, Come she's on. got she's got Come robotic on. abs. I, I, I mean, don't care what she has. <laughs> that, that's all I thought about when she's standing next to him and he's in the throne. And all I'm thinking about is, boy, that would be a great line for Star Wars fans. Really, all of society, not so much. It's not meant. It's it's not a it's not a play on Ming Na Wen, but that's the visual that you have of that throne. It's uh. Man, we got a Boba Fett show coming, huh? And they had their big investor day, and you and I haven't talked about that. You know, if we didn't have this finale coming up, I thought we should do a podcast just on that announcement, but they didn't announce this, and that was on purpose. So, yeah, and I've heard whispers for about four weeks now about a uh, something that was shooting in the southwest of the united states that might be of interest to star wars fans and um yeah if you watch like if you've watched my twitch show uh i called this out about two or three weeks ago it was like we're getting a boba fett show guys and then everybody last week after the announcement was like where's your boba fett show i was like just (laughs) you wait yeah Uh, and they did it they did it huge on the day after jeremy bullock Passes away. Passes away. It's, yeah, it's, I thought I thought maybe they they do something in the credits. Uh, they do something at the end. They could put a f- quick frame. And, and what I wrote on Twitter, I stand by. I, I'm I'm not saying that's easy, and I'm not saying that uh, I I'm I'm the tech expert, and I won't criticize them for not doing it. But I did say they. I I, I thought you could have at the end. Uh, put up a screen of the original Boba Fett with a, you know, an RIP or some, something uh, for the original actor who played Boba Fett, who, by the way, was never, did never, never had a speaking role in Star Wars. Correct. He wasn't the original voice. And then when they retconned him and put the current guy's voice into Tamara Morrison. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I, we're going to get that Disney gallery show for season sure. two in a couple of weeks. I am sure they mentioned something then. Sure. You know, I mean, this news was less than 24 hours. I, oh, I that's what I said. I don't know yeah. how hard that is. And you know? I'm sure you get something. You, I'm sure you get a lot of talk about it at the start of next season's Boba Fett show. Which, can we talk about that for a second? 
you, here's my my pitch for that. You've got Boba Fett sitting on Jabba's throne, but he tells stories. He goes on adventures, but he also tells adventures that he had between episode two <laughs> and episode four. And you get Dan Logan back to yeah. play the younger yeah. version of Boba Fett. Young. In, in that timeline, oh, almost like uh, the Jim Henson storyteller that yeah. used to be out. Yep, yep. <laughs> That's a great story. That's a great idea. I totally. Um, what about the idea that before I do want to go get a get a line on every episode. But the the what about the idea that uh, you concluded an arc very, very well and that the Mandalorian would be better served if you held off for a little while? and told all these other stories and then came back to the Mandalorian made me crave him more. Um, I'm going to say this. I've seen a lot of chatter online already about like Grogu will be back because we're not going to, Disney's not going to neuter that cash cow. Let me tell you guys something. John Favreau kept baby Yoda a secret, a secret. so that there was no merchandise of okay. baby Yoda for season one. Then they, they, went balls to the wall in season two. This guy, he and Dave Filoni do not care what oh. Disney wants to merchandise. Now, if Disney wants to merchandise a Baby Yoda comic book or cartoon or baby whatever. diapers, whatever they want to do, whatever. they will do it. But these two guys are not going to have their vision and their story tainted by by this corporation. They just won't. And, and, and they would have had merchandise for season one if that was the case. We, guys, I, we are not seeing Grogu in, in, in the next season of Mandalorian. We're not. I, 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 unless it's in a flashback or you something, see but not in, in any but real you could, way. But this is my point about Mandalorian is that just hold off a little bit um, let me see the, the, the Space Rangers. Let me see the Ahsoka series. Let me see all these things and let them have a minute to breathe here. Um, I think you're going to. I think you're going to get I, I just I don't need to see the next chapter of The Mandalorian right now. Um, I love that he took his helmet off. And I think there's a great series about them trying to take over, uh, retake Mandalore. And that, Which I that, think you're going to get. I think you're going to get it after the Boba Fett. But that's what I'm saying. Like, like, like delay. Like, if, if if Boba Fett is December 2021 and Ahsoka is late 2021, then I don't want to see uh, Mandalorian season three until you know late fall 2022, 23. Even. I think that's what you're going to say. I think that's what you're going to do. Dave Filoni and John Favreau are too smart. You're going to watch. Um, uh, Bo-Katan and Ahsoka Tano chase around the galaxy, play with the dark saber, all of that. You're going to get little tastes in there. You'll probably get the Mandalorian showing up appearance, in an episode an here, yeah. an episode there. I'm sure, but he's he is a, not he's going at a to place building a ship. Yeah. Hey, <laughs> we didn't talk about this. I'll say it here. You know, Hasbro has that Haslab Hasbro Pulse. They sold 28 thousand razor crest toys uh at 350 dollars each then three weeks later they blow up the ship they blew up the ship 
if you're some of the one shipments of those... hadn't even gotten there yet. No, they haven't even shipped any of them. There's <laughs> it's still in production. Can you imagine? You spent $350 on a toy, and then they're just like, Mando's getting a new ship next year. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's there's another thing that goes to show that that Favreau and Filoni do not care. They don't care. They, they wanted to blow up that ship. Hasbro be damned. Licensing agreements be damned. All right, let's 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 do uh, chapters nine through sixteen. I guess it is. Uh, this is season two, and we did this for the first time. We reviewed uh, the Mandalorian. The first uh, episode is kind of the return. Uh, everybody's just excited. Don't forget, this is during a pandemic where most productions had shut down. You know, we've seen season one and season two of The Mandalorian before another episode of The Flash has aired. You know, just just to put some real life context to this, um, the first episode and they they basically have to go back to Tatooine. And that's where he sees Timothy Oliphant, um, who's wearing Boba Fett's armor. And at the time, the reaction was just, holy crap, that's Boba Fett's armor. Did you think Boba Fett was alive at that point? I mean, yes, they hint that it's him at the at the very, very end. But going through that episode and you see him in that armor, what's the emotion? Is it just nostalgia? Is it just, wow, oh, that's pretty cool that you see his armor? What What's your take on the first episode of this show? Of this I thought season? It was Let me say this season. I thought it was super cool. You saw the Boba Fett armor. I thought when we initially saw him it was boba fett and then uh he took his helmet off and you're like oh that's not boba fett i also had heard that uh from a stunt actor guy through the grapevine that they had cast boba fett so i kind of knew he was coming in some way shape or form but at the end when we saw tamura morrison and also tamura morrison's agency listed him returning to the Mandalorian as Boba Fett on his IMDb. Mm. Um, then I was like, oh yeah, okay. And, and, and he will be back later this season. Right. Um, I thought that was awesome. I also loved uh, that episode. You got to see Crate uh, Dragon for the first time, the long yes. rumored Crate Dragon. Um, Timothy Oliphant's character. You got to see a flashback that took place when he was talking about the Death Star exploding that took place during Return of the Jedi. So yeah. you got to see original trilogy timeline mm -hmm. from an alternate perspective from the first for the first time, which was awesome. And if you look at Timothy Oliphant's belt buckle in that episode, it's red and white striped. It matches the belt buckle that Cara Dune was wearing prior to putting on the new Republic Marshall belt mm. buckle. And wow. I am going to predict that Timothy Oliphant comes back in Rangers of the New Republic. Mm. He is recruited. Makes sense. He's too good a character. He's Makes your Huckleberry. Sense. Yeah, he, 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 he was great. And, and when, they, when they're talking and, and, and Mandalorian is so confused and he doesn't understand how do you have this armor? And there's so much that he doesn't know. Um, and then he meets this frog lady and uh, what, what that, was was whole... that was the end of that first episode, right? Right. Well, right. And he agrees to take the frog lady 
to um, from Tatooine to Trask, where her husband will fertilize these eggs uh, in exchange for information on other Mandalorians. And it's just like now you start this journey where it's just go to here and go to here and go to here and go to here. And it's been criticized on social media and in reviews. It doesn't bother me. It's a Western every week. The, that that's it, it's the Batman show. It's it's the Riddler one week and the Joker the next week and the Penguin the next week. This doesn't bother me. It's part of the charm. Also, uh, somebody said uh, to me once, "If you don't, if you don't respect my B plot, you don't deserve my A plot." Meaning, if you don't respect the side missions, the things that build texture in the in the galaxy. The, I mean, that second episode, people were like, oh, filler episode. But, like, those two X-Wing pilots, like, that is a setup for the payoff of, oh, that's not Luke Skywalker coming in at the end. Like, those are those little moments that make yeah. the big moments so much stronger. And I, I loved it. The only thing I didn't like about the second episode was we got uh, Quarren, the squidhead species, we got Admiral Akbar, so we got all the amphibious species, but my favorite, the Gungans. <laughs> Couldn't you have just dropped a Gungan in that in that seaport town for me? <laughs> just for you, just for you. <laughs> Back with more of the Hall of Justice in just a moment, but first a message from our friends at Warner Brothers. Supergirl, the complete fifth season, is out on Blu-ray and DVD. This is the complete season five, and this includes the crisis on infinite Earths. Supergirl faces threats both new and ancient, and Andrea Rojas becomes a new villain. Jean Jones has a big subplot in this, and there's the return of Lex Luthor. We've been talking about Supergirl since its inception. We absolutely love Melissa Benoist in this series. The Blu-ray features a bonus disc, all five episodes of The Crisis on Infinite Earths. That's from Supergirl, Batwoman, The Flash, Arrow, and Legends of Tomorrow. Season six is going to be the last year, and they're going to expand it, and they're going to go out with a bang. Season five gets you all set up for that. And we don't know when season six is coming. Season five is the last touch we've had with Supergirl, and this series needs to continue the momentum. Supergirl, the complete fifth season, wherever you can find Blu-ray, DVD, and digital downloads. What'd you make of all the, the, uh, the abortion people talking about uh, Yoda, baby Yoda eating the eggs? Okay, they're unfertilized eggs, one. Two, <laughs> at the end of the second episode, the end of the second episode, uh, you you see the dude only fertilized one of those 50 million eggs, right? The, and, and here's the other thing that everybody's like, it's genocide. She did not say it is the end of my species. She said it's the end of my line. It would be like if, Seth, if you and I didn't have any kids and we were like, well, it's the end of our line. Like, it's <laughs> not the end no of the human big race. deal. Yeah, there, it's not the end of the human race. It's the end of the Everett's and the Reifenbergs, okay? That's what we're looking at. We're, we're looking at the end of a family line, not the end of a species. Like, go back, listen a little bit more carefully, you know? And not for nothing, but like, 
later on in the series, they humanize stormtroopers a little bit in episode six, and nobody's griping about how these people are just smashing stormtrooper skulls. Those people, you know, I had friends on that Death Star. Right, right, right. <laughs> and and the, uh, the 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 stormtroopers, by the way, in great Star Wars tradition, are the worst fighters known to man. They are awful. And anytime you face a fleet of Star Wars, the the last of the Everett and Reifenberg clan could beat these stormtroopers because they're easy. <laughs> they're so easy. Uh, okay, so then so they get the frog people. They get off. It's it's a horror story. Uh, it's pretty good. It, it builds plot. Um, I didn't have a, an issue, but then you have the mother load of, uh, they go to the, they, they reunite the, the frog lady and the husband. And then this fisherman is going to kidnap Mandalorian and take the child. And then, uh, Bo-Katan, uh, rescues them with two of her lieutenants there. And then they take off their helmets. And then you find out that, <laughs> that Din Djarin is in a, a in a cult. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's the Nexium version of Star Wars. Oh, see, I didn't go Nexium. That's so funny that you went there. I, I was watching. Nexium. I was watching the Vow on the Vow. Uh, no, HBO the Vow, Max. The Vow's great. And it, at it, that it, time, it, it, same thing at that time. But you know what I was thinking? I was thinking it's the mask wearers versus the non-mask wearers. Mm-hmm. It's like you can't take off the helmet but you're sure you can take off your helmet you, you're part of these radicals these crazies that don't want to wear their masks and that, like all i'm picturing <laughs> is one of the mandalorians showing up at a target you're saying i will get service and i'm wearing not take off my helmet oh uh, yeah bo katan's real name is karen um it was awesome though i mean that was a great i mean look for people who loved for people who have no idea what the Clone Wars and Rebels is, it was cool because you got three other Mandalorians or supposed Mandalorians, and you learned about why Din Djarin is is so crazy about his helmet, and maybe he shouldn't be. And if you love Clone Wars and you love Rebels, you got a live action version of one of those episodes. Yeah, like that's what you did. This was. Rebel season five in a single episode it was fantastic. I mean, it was, it was, it was great. It was, it was cool because, you know, and it's something, if you listen back and I thought about doing a deep dive, listen back, but then I found out that we did like four, three and a half, four hours uh, on season one of the Mandalorian. I could just rewatch the Mandalorian for that time, that kind of time. Mm-hmm. The, uh, the idea that when we were doing this podcast, um, we were talking about the rules from Rebels and how I didn't understand why a Mandalorian couldn't take off their helmet. And I'd never heard that. And I didn't understand why is the girl, what's the girl, what's her name in Rebels? Uh, Sabine. Right. Sabine. So, right. Sabine. Why uh, can Sabine take off her helmet? And why does she decorate her helmet? And is that Beskar? And like, what don't I know? And what I did after that episode is I went and rewatched uh, a lot of Rebels, the final season, including that two-parter, which is the Seas of Mandalore. And it's, I mean, if you're a Mandalorian fan, they tell the whole backstory that Bo-Katan is referencing. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's amazing. That episode, it, would, it had the like big boom cameo of the week, but it also expanded his backstory. Every single thing that you got 
A plot wise, you learned a little bit more about him and his backstory and his world. Um, it's not just, you know, the cameo of the week show. It's really each of the cameos give you a little bit of insight into who this guy is, which I love. And, you know, they tease Moff Gideon and uh, they, they question the Darksaber. He explains about the Darksaber. And again, you see the Darksaber in Rebels. So that's why at the end of season one of The Mandalorian, you're like, oh, that. <laughs> like, <laughs> I've seen that before. Like, it's, it all connects. And I'm sorry, but if you can watch The Mandalorian, it means you have Disney Plus. So you have no reason not to go see Rebels. Uh, Rebels is a great, great show. Uh, and then Bo-Katan says, go see Ahsoka Tano. And you're like, yeah, no, again, uh, here. We, we had heard that Rosario Dawson was going to be this. So that's not a, a shock. But again, you're like, all right, ready. And they make you wait another episode simply because he's got to get the ship fixed. Yeah. So what was Rosario shows? Uh, Ahsoka shows up in episode four, five, five. five. So what's so this is the end of three. And in four, that's when he reunites with Cara Dune and uh, uh, Apollo. Oh, Dune. and Grief Karga. Yeah, yeah. And gets the ship fixed because the Mon Calamari like taped it together with fishing nets. Yep. Um, oh, and that's where they reveal the dark troopers. And yeah. we see what we think are clones of Palpatine. And they played the Snoke theme while yep. that was going on. Um, and again, you wonder like, whether or not they got they got some of the blood from from Grogu. And they mentioned uh, Grogu's M count, midichlorian count. Midichlorian. Again, they're bringing that back, which I love, even though everybody else hates it. Somebody said to me uh, a great analogy, which is, uh, you know, the Internet may be everywhere, but uh, you need uh, a modem to be able to tap into it. And that was uh that was how they described midichlorians, which I thought was brilliant. Um, <laughs> man, another awesome, cool episode right there. Um, and again, just like a giant bomb at the end that ties into uh, all the movies that we don't like that happen later. Yes. yes. Like they're figuring out a way to, to justify- To make you want to see those movies again to justify the reckless choices they made in seven, eight, and nine without cause, they're building cause the same way Dave Filoni did in Clone Wars for episodes two and three, and the same way he did in Rebels for three and four. Uh, the guy is a master. If this show has taught you nothing and everything that this season uh, helps you with, uh, go re-see episode three. I think I think clone between clo the end of Clone Wars and this episode three has just a new value because now you're watching the scene when he's already been named Darth Vader, but he still looks like, you know, Hayden Christensen, who, by the way, is coming back. And I have to ask you about that what, real uh, quick. Wait, can I stop you there? Yeah, they sure. announced Hayden Christensen is going to be in the Obi-Wan show. How? Right. <laughs> How? What if he's not in the Obi-Wan show? What if he's in the Ahsoka show? No, what and if they he's said, in the Obi-Wan show in a dream? What if he what if it's in a flashback? What if uh Obi-Wan is haunted by things he could have said to to Anakin? I, but, I think I think Hayden Christensen if, can appear, but I don't think Vader takes his helmet off if that's what you're but asking. But what no, but what if what if it's a red herring? What if it's a Benedict Cumberbatch is not Khan? Uh well, he's Khan. 
What if it's like, hey, Hayden Christensen's back. We're going to tell you he's an Obi-Wan, but he's actually in the Ahsoka show as a Force ghost, which then justifies the special edition change at the end of Return of the Jedi. <laughs> and, and Ahsoka and Anakin get to have their moment in that show. Why do you not do that? Why would you fantastic. not do that? It, it, well, but they, I, I, I don't have a problem with any of that. They didn't announce that. They clearly announced he's in the Obi-Wan show. Yeah, but. Eh. And now you want to see the Obi-Wan show more now than ever. I don't. I mean, I do oh, because no. I love Hayden Come Christensen, on. On. but I am so worried. Like you're going to have Darth Vader face off against Obi-Wan and completely destroy Again? episode three and four for the sake of like ridiculous fan fiction. Like, no, don't give me that. I don't want to see if they're on the same planet at the same time, I'm going to be pissed. We'll I'm going to, I'm going to roll my eyes. Don't do what it. If, uh, don't do what ifs. Let's do, we, we, we have so much content here. Okay. Let's not do, let's not do uh, what ifs. Uh, so then, um, uh, so, so fine. So they reunite with, uh, with, with uh, Apollo Creed and Cara Dune. And the next thing you know, now she, he he and 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 Grogu uh, go meet Ahsoka Tano. Uh, first of all, from an effects perspective, she freaking looks like the cartoon. I mean, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's like do a side by side of Rosario Dawson as Ahsoka Tano and put it up against any drawing of her. She mm -hmm. is for a character that has grown on you for so many years and for such a generation. She is their Jedi. That was a massive reveal. That is what they hoped Ray would do for little girls. But what, what you actually had was sitting in your hand the whole time was Ahsoka Tano. And I have a daughter now, and I know you have two daughters. Like if, the, and somebody said to me, the difference between seeing her as a cartoon for a little girl and seeing her in person is that you can you can meet Rosario Dawson at a convention and not taking anything away from Ashley Eckstein, who was the custodian who grew that character for a decade. And I don't think Plus, it does. I don't think it takes anything away but, from her. But to see your hero's face on a real human being is something that I don't think anybody that at least we don't aren't aren't able to uh, to reconcile in our heads um and they crushed her like she was again it was it was rebels season five is what we got live action you know she 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 was the character right and she comes back in star wars rebels her her main arc is is clone wars and i mean she's the the main finale of, of clone wars which is side by side in the timeline of episode three uh, and we talked about that in episode 183 of this show. So uh, we, we, we've, we've been over that whole part. The amazing aspect of it is, you know, you wonder what happened to her while the whole original trilogy is going on and the, the downfall of the empire. And, you know, did she know Darth Vader was her, her, her boss the whole time? And you realize that in, in reality, um, you know, she's had so many, uh, uh, troubled, such a troubled past. 
um, that she may be trained with the force, but remember she was out of the Jedi order. Like she wasn't in that. And there's so few of them left now. And uh, that reference was great. And when she says his name is Grogu, <laughs> what was that? I was like, what the hell? <laughs> that was the, that was the uh, George Costanza walking in saying he knew Kramer's first name. Like, yeah. I got the first name <laughs> and Jerry, <laughs> I've been trying to get it out of him for years. <laughs> That's what I've uh, thought about. And it's, it, and Grogu is the guy and wow. And then he had begun training as a Jedi before the rise of the empire, but she won't train him because of his attachment to the Mandalorian. Yeah. Cause she knows, she knows Anakin fell because of his attachment to Padme, to his mother. And she knows how she felt with her attachment to Anakin and how vulnerable that made her. I mean, this is the best character you can have to say, uh, yeah, no, this kid can't be trained. And I didn't even think about it until right this very moment, but it stands in stark contrast to Luke Luke Skywalker, who's like, yeah, baby Yoda, I know Yoda, I'll take this kid and train him. And it's like Ahsoka in, in episode five is almost giving the audience a warning about what's to come, which makes The Last Jedi almost palatable. Right, it makes it relevant. It makes it relevant because Luke is making this massive uh, mistake, which at the time looks so heroic, but it leads to the the Luke, I I mean. Here's, I mean, it's crazy, right? Oh my God. Ahsoka leaves the Jedi Order because she doesn't, philosophically believe that the Jedi are adhering to their values, right? They're, they're, uh, they're full of ego and all that sort of thing. And so she walks away, right? Because Ahsoka in walking away from that, that era of Jedi is almost more of a Jedi than any of the other Jedi, except for Qui-Gon. It's kind of like what Qui-Gon did, right? Where he's like, yeah, I'm not paying attention to the council. They don't know what they're talking about. That's what Ahsoka did. Then the two guys who trained Luke were in charge of leading the the misguided Jedi. So, of course, Luke goes out and does the wrong thing because his mentors told him to do the wrong thing. And it may it. it, uh, I mean, I'm still not going to watch those movies, but it makes them better in my mind. Right. I'm not going to sit. They're long. <laughs> I'm not going to re- I'm not going to reinvest that. But uh, um, all right. Uh, so then you get to uh, the tra- chapter 14, uh, episode six, uh, and they, it's called the tragedy. And you just wondered what that would be um, when they get to the when they get to the, the temple. And it, it looks very last Jedi rise of Skywalker. Like it looks very much mm-hmm. like. That would be what a Jedi temple looks like. Apparently, it's straight out of Jedi Fallen Order, that new video game. Oh, really? That I don't play, but that's what I've heard. All right, Um, and it's it's cool, and he's and 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 it's so powerful that he's calling out to all remaining Jedi to find him, which again pays off in Episode Eight Um, when. Mandalorian tries to say we have to go. He's pushed away, pushed aside by by a by the energy. force field. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> dad joke. Yeah, that's pretty good. <laughs> um, and then you meet Boba, 
uh, and Boba Fett explains who, who he is and he wants his armor. And Mandalorian says, convince me what, how it is. And by the end of the episode, he convinces him that it's his armor. And the Razor Crest gets uh, exploded and Grogu gets captured. And it's a by dark tragedy. troopers. Guys. And by the way, directed by Robert Rodriguez. Mm-hmm. By dark troopers also, which is pulled from the Dark Forces video game that came out a million years ago and then wow. brought into canon as, as something more real. Um, and this was such a Robert Rodriguez, like the, the gaffy stick shattering stormtrooper armor and you see the, the armor splinter off into all the pieces. You got to see Boba Fett use his full bag of tricks that we've never gotten to see. You know, we've seen the wrist cable a million times right. but like you get to see boba fett be boba fett you yep. pay off boba fett here like boba fett's always been a chump and i don't care what anybody says he's been a chump since 1983 he's been a joke and people wanted him to be cool people they wanted him to be badass because he looked badass yeah and they and people invented that and this was the their yeah. day in the sun the people for who for 37 years have have tried to make Boba Fett cool. And I've been shouting from the rooftops, Boba Fett's not cool. He just has a neat costume. Uh, this was their day. This was their day to uh, stick their nose up at me, which good because he was awesome. My one complaint about and I, you see, I have so few complaints. Uh, once he gets his armor back, could you not could you get some pants? You don't need to wear robes <laughs> underneath that armor. It just, it looks weird for Boba Fett to have a robe on. Just, it's strange. I heard, uh, I heard a lot of people griping about why, um, why didn't he just go take his armor from Cobb Vance or the Jawas or any of those, uh, you know, I, I, any yeah, of those that, people. That, that's, a, that's a good question, which I, I think they'll answer. And the other which, aspect is the timing of it, because you don't see... You see when Boba Fett uh, steals his armor from the ship, you don't realize that he's going to be the last person to step in that ship. You, yeah, when, that's interesting. When that, when that ship gets destroyed, you, you are literally not expecting that. And uh, that's yeah. the one time you wish you could see um, uh, Pedro Pascal's face. Like, mm -hmm. what the fuck? Oh, my God. Like, you can't do mm -hmm. it. Oh, my God. Well, that was, you know, the most beloved ship since the Millennium Falcon. And then it's just like... Boom, gone. Oh. I also, the, the theory I read, which I think is smart, is that when the armor was on Tatooine, Boba always had it in sight. And when the Mando took it off the planet, then Boba had to make his move because it, it left his sight, which I thought was clever. Um, mm. Yeah. I mean, you also, you know, throughout this whole season, you get to watch uh, Din Djarin become a father to this. You know, in that episode, the Robert Rodriguez episode, I think it's the first time that I really felt like he, when he was saying, oh, I've got to take you to your people, I've got to get you to your kind, he was almost saying that to himself to convince himself rather than just saying it. Like, that's kind of where the flip switch uh, the switch flipped, and how about using the little gear shift knob again? Oh uh, yeah, is that right oh, at the heart? Man. Like, like, oh, 
And then he got captured. And I literally I felt really badly. Like I, I I'm a 46 year old man. I really felt badly that that that, that Krogu was captured. I didn't like it. I don't want anybody poking at him. I don't want yeah. him to touch. And when they chained him up like that, he was you really they they make you care about these characters. They did a great yeah. job. Although they didn't pay off the shift knob. Grogu never gets it back. Is that is that but season three? It, but Mandalorian, Mandalorian, Mandalorian has, has it. it. It was it, that and the spear. That breaks your heart when things. he when he get when he gets it when he finds it in the yeah. dirt. Oh my god! Oh, what a crazy thing! And this is a guy. This has been at the time. It's twelve episodes. Twelve mm-hmm. episodes, and what they do so brilliantly is they they tug on a legacy. This is a part of a franchise. This isn't a standalone series. This is part of a bigger world. Mm-hmm. And it, it, it has grand value. It, it really has grand value. That, that's the best way to describe it. it you, it's not an apples to apples comparison to compare it to the boys or daredevil. They're, they're not the same. What, what the way to compare Mandalorian is you're going to compare it to the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, because mm-hmm. it's the, the, those are going to be just chapters of part of a bigger legacy. It's uh, yeah, it's it's really pretty fantastic. That's pretty amazing. <laughs> it's really, really. I mean, cool. they're drawing connections between things that you never dreamed were connected. Like all of us watch those sequel movies and we're like, something's missing. And like Favreau and Filoni are like. You want me to spell it out for you? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I got this. And then what? The next episode was the the uh, Rhydonium episode where they got to get Bill Burr into the Imperial place, which again, kind of a filler episode, but it gives you so yeah, you have to see his face and well, and it gives you so much texture. It gives you so much texture in that world. Like it, you see, first off, you see Imperials cheering for the first time and, and you cheer for TIE fighters showing up for the first time. <laughs> and you see like the PTSD of what it is to be a, 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 a former Imperial soldier. And the whole thing is like, look, man, uh, the rebels, the Imperials, you're different sides of the same coin. One person's doing the ruling the other person's getting ruled and it's really poignant it's really almost too real for star wars what do you think of the uh the the, when they're doing the ride-along and they're talking about how they're they're all the same What, what what was your take about uh everybody's in it for themselves everyone's in it just for survival who cares if you grew up on mandalore and i grew up on alderaan what's the difference everybody's just in it to and you'll do whatever it is. So the Empire is anybody with the Empire is not evil. They're just looking to survive. Um, it reminded me of Raiders of the Lost Ark, where Belloc is talking to Indy. He goes, you and I are the same. It just takes a nudge to push you over the edge and you become me or I become you. You know, and Indy goes, oh, now you're getting nasty. And that's what that scene was to me is, and, and it, I, I think Bill Burr is right. You know, you draw a line in the sand and, and where you draw that line determines 
where you are, you know, and, and you learned like they put their money where the mouth is like Bill Burr showed like, I am a mercenary for these reasons, but I will not cross this line. I will not do, I will not be, you know, he's just a different shade of gray, you know? Um, and it was really, I think it, it was great. Um, but it was very, it was more rogue one in tone mm -hmm. and feel and reality than anything else we've gotten in the Mandalorian, which has all been, has all felt very original trilogy to me, very high fantasy. Yeah. I, I just, I just think that what rogue one established is it's, it's, regular people in a world. And even though the Mandalorian is this, you know, incredible fighter and he's an incredible warrior and he's got all these cool guys, he's basically Batman. Just, just the idea is that it, there is a life in Star Wars that is not uh, Jedi's. And that's, mm -hmm. and, 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 and it, it's great to get a break from that. And then when you see it, when you saw Soka's lightsaber, and then in episode eight, when you see Luke, you're just like, holy crap, like, God, I missed that. And when did you think of that you would miss that? And I remember thinking that during the prequels, and you know, there's a really good chance you and I had this conversation, you know, years ago when the prequel trilogy came out and it was, there were so many Jedi and there were so many lightsabers and those big scenes, the big uh, episode two finale scene, and there's so many Jedi everywhere and there's lightsabers everywhere. And now there's a precious few. And I like it better that way. I, I like, and I guess this goes into s s the bigger Star Wars, is that um, the bigger Star Wars, which is, I think there is something to it when you, when there's anticipation, when you have to wait, when they give you a little taste and then you have to wait for a little bit more. You know, uh, like great. there was something about the original movies and the prequels came out every three years. So you got to ingest it, digest it and and then get excited for and build anticipation for the next one. <laughs> I think that's the same thing with uh, with lightsabers, with any of this stuff. Give me a little bit. Let, let, leave me wanting more. You know, not everything needs to be an all you can eat buffet. Right. And that's what it was. And, that, and that's totally what it was. Um, and then episode eight is uh, the, the rescue. And all you wanted to do was see little baby Yoda again. You wanted to see your Grogu again. That's really all we were trying to do. And if you're listening to this podcast the day it came out, this, you just saw this just like us. Um, it's fantastic. It's a great finale. Uh, Giancarlo Esposito is great as Moff Gideon. Um, there's a great fight scene. Um, and what it shows you, and I thought this was a, a big key, these um, dark troopers, right? That's what they're called, dark troopers, which look like little Vaders, like robot Darth Vaders. The dark troopers, one dark trooper beats the crap out of the Mandalorian. Mm -hmm. But Luke can wipe them off. The, <laughs> like Luke, can, Luke Skywalker can destroy them in seconds. Well, it makes and you realize. It makes Jedi. you realize. Yeah. But but you've been spending 16 episodes with this Mandalorian, and you're amazed by his fighting uh, capabilities. Think about just the the week prior in 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 chapter 15 when he single handedly takes care of those pirates. 
Remember, they were trying to blow up the truck and and he's literally fighting them all and he doesn't even have his armor. I, I, I just, I love also the Mandalorian as a scrappy fighter. He's like an Indiana Jones fighter. He's not a finesse. Like you see Luke finesse with that lightsaber, the way he dispels people. You see Ahsoka do the same thing. The Mandalorian's like a, a street fighter, you know? Um, he's Rocky Balboa versus Apollo Creed. Uh, it, it was it's, wild. It was wild. I loved, um, I loved in the last episode, you see Grogu look up at the Mandalorian and the Mandalorian takes his helmet off with Luke Skywalker looking on. And the only thing I could think of is help me take this mask off. Let me look on you with my own eyes. Like, it's crazy. It's so good. Somebody's like literally watching this stuff and, and loves it and is thinking, how can we satisfy it? You know, you've got Luke who just, it's just, it's incredible. And I saw some people griping on, uh, I saw one guy, journalist, griping online about how bad the CG on Luke was, which I thought it was fine. I also think if you're going to group gripe about that, are you going to gripe about the fact that Jabba the Hutt is a puppet? God, Jabba doesn't look real. He looks like he's yeah, made out of on. rubber. You What's know, the big deal? like, What's the big deal? did it come sell on. the illusion enough for you to believe that it was, it was, you know, 30 year old Luke Skywalker. If it did fine, move on, take it for what it is. Like I, I thought it looked good. I don't think it was perfect. But it was perfect enough to to make my heart flutter when he showed up, to make me uh, feel like I I got something that I've been looking for since I was a little kid, you know. And that's that's what I needed. Yeah, I it's just it was it was fantastic, and it doesn't mean that Luke's going to appear in every show. It like don't lose your head on this. This is this was. This was a crowning moment for the franchise. It's a crowning moment for Star Wars, just for this show. And like I said, I don't need to see this show. Let me digest this. Let me enjoy this. Let me rewatch this 7,000 times. And let me feel like I felt this for some people of a certain age. This is their empire. For some people, this is their prequels. For some people, this is their Clone Wars. For this paid off. If you are a new fan, you love this. If you're an old fan, you love this. Do let me ask you this: Do you rewatch episodes of The Mandalorian? No. Like, do you do you? Oh ever yes, well yes, I watch them twice because what is what's been happening uh, this time around is uh, my wife didn't want to see The Mandalorian the first time around, so then over the pandemic we we watched season one. Then we saw season two, and what I've been doing is watching them Friday mornings, and then um, rewatching, and then rewatching so, them Friday nights. So I've been watching them twice. So I don't watch episodes of The Mandalorian the way I rewatch the original trilogy or the way I rewatch the prequel trilogy. I think this episode I will will be a oh I've got an hour to burn and I want to kind of like shut down for a minute. I think I'm going to watch this episode over and over and over again, because it gives you everything. It gives you everything. The pacing is great. The emotion is great. The like, 
I get to hang out with Luke Skywalker for 68 seconds is great. Like, I, I see myself watching this, this chapter 16, as often as I used to watch the original trilogy. You know, which is, yeah. uh, you know, a couple times a month. But, but part of it, and I, I, I want to kind of close on this by saying what I don't want to now do is rank them. And I, we did this with the movies a lot. Uh, you know, what's your, what's, where does Rogue One fit in the original trilogy? You know, like that, that was a big Star Wars thing over the years. You don't get this drama without all those movies. So in reality, The Mandalorian is a hodgepodge com- uh, conglomeration of everything that you've seen so far, even stuff you didn't like. So mm-hmm. you don't get, The Mandalorian is not a standalone. You know what I'm saying? Like the Mandalorian is not an apples to apples comparison with any other show. These shows take place within a saga. Rebels doesn't make as much sense unless you have the, the movies. Clone Wars doesn't make sense unless you have the movies. So without the movies and in this show for the first time, you need those other three. What, what I don't think that what I think this may do is this may get me to watch the other trilogy again. I might give uh, Rise of Skywalker another watch. I, I can't um, uh, Last Jedi. Did you see that this week on social media? It was the three-year anniversary of Last Jedi. Yes, I but also it Rogue said, One. Well, I retweeted it and said, thoughts and prayers. <laughs> you know, that, that, that thoughts and prayers on The Last Jedi. Thoughts and prayers that that came out. And to be honest with you, I'm sorry, but uh, if that... If, if, Watching people gush over that movie is like watching people gush over Batman v Superman, and it drives me bananas. So it's better just left unsaid. But it's also the the week this week is the anniversary of Rogue One, which I could watch the last thirty minutes of countless times. Like I can watch uh, that yeah. countless times from the minute they land on that moon. I can watch that over and over and over and over again. Yeah, I mean, I again, I I feel like this episode of The Mandalorian was similar to the last half of Rogue One. I also, you know, I agree that we shouldn't be ranking this stuff. It's all codependent. But I will say that The Mandalorian cinematically, as a, if you study film, you study visual storytelling, is done at a level that not very much other Star Wars is. And, and that's, I'm being inclusive of all Star Wars. It, it, the, the way that they are able to get you to feel for things when you can't see a guy's face uh, with a puppet that can't talk, you know? I mean, there are episodes where the two of them have full-on conversations without saying a word, and you, you feel it. You know it. You know what's going on, and that is what makes... That's where why I would rank Mandalorian in terms of cinematically in sure. terms of it, it, the the deftness in which the story is told towards the top it's it, it's great it, it, and and one of the things that it recommends for a lot of people i still go back to season one when mandalorian is getting ready to leave and he's left uh grogu you know with with you know his he served his bounty and he knows that something bad will happen to this kid. And he is 
on the ship and he literally has his hand on the the lever like the, the takeoff button and he he can't go and you don't see his face and i think that's pedro pascal's best acting best acting and and then i loved the hologram where he recites uh moff gideon's line when he says that kid means more to me than you'll ever know mm-hmm. oh and he throws it right back at him <laughs> i was like that is such a badass move that's so great so it's just great it's just fantastic but like I said, I don't know where I want to see that show go. And it's very rare that a show ends and you literally want it to end. I remember season five of Arrow when Arrow, when they drove off into the sunset and I said, I don't want to see him put that costume on again. Like, just be done. I kind of want Mandalorian to end. I know it won't. And I know that there'll be some other story to tell. But man, was that satisfying to see the way it ended today. I um I think that um I think that I agree with you 100%. I have also felt that way at the end of the Clone Wars about Ahsoka. She walks off into the sunset. I said, "Don't bring her back." They brought her back in Rebels and I was like, "Oh, okay." Well, and then everybody's like, "Ahsoka and Mandalorian." I was like, "Don't bring her back." And then they did, you know. So, I in general, agree with you. I don't think I need to see more of this story. I think it's over. Uh, We are going to get more of this story, but if they do it the same way they did with bringing Ahsoka back, I'm, I'm all for it. I, I will, I will champion it and cheerlead it all day long. That's great. That's great. Um, Congrats on the baby. Uh, You guys are the proud, the proud parents. Uh, how can people find you? How can people watch this Mandalorian show? And did you give us all the nuggets? Do you have one nugget that you're going to save for your Sunday night Twitch show? Did I save anything? I don't know. I'll have to look at my notes. Um, I think I've been very dumped, loyal to this podcast. I, so I think I, I dumped everything. <laughs> I think I dumped everything here. So the Sunday show will be redundant. So but the Sunday 30... show, and I've watched you on the Sunday show. This is what you have to say. When one point is brought up, that references something directly that we talked about. I just want you to say one time, just say, you know, as I mentioned this week on the hall of justice. podcast. <laughs> okay. That's all I need. Uh, yeah. You can watch, uh, watch me at eight 30 PM on twitch.tv slash scum and villainy cantina. We do the show live. We were in the chat room talking to you guys the whole time. Uh, you can also eight 30 uh, Pacific time for those 30 Pacific. Depending you can, on where you are in the country. You can also watch me tomorrow at 4 p.m. on Pacific the Pacific time on the Fat Man Beyond podcast with Kevin Smith and Mark Bernardin. I am sure we are going to be talking about this tomorrow. Yeah, you, you think? <laughs> so, uh, yeah, you get me You get me for an hour on Hall of Justice today. You'll get me for an hour on Fat Man Beyond tomorrow. And if you really like hearing me talk, join my Twitch show for probably two and a half hours on Sunday night. Uh, all things Mandalorian. We'll see if I'm sick of talking about it by then. And my favorite, for those of you who have not heard the previous episodes of the podcast with JC on them, uh, Kevin Smith was on this podcast and uh, JC and Kevin worked together. And when I, when, when I told Kevin that I knew JC for decades and that we worked at Major League Baseball together, Kevin literally said, JC worked in baseball. 
had no idea. Uh, happy holidays to those of you who are celebrating. Uh, we appreciate it. Next week on the show, we can say it right now, the show is not going to come out on its normal day. Normally it comes out on Thursdays. It's not going to come out on its normal day next week either because uh, next week is the review, the spoiler review of Wonder Woman 1984. Uh, that You know, <laughs> JC, I should say, this podcast has only reviewed two movies this entire year and they are harley quinn and the new mutants to say we're jonesing for a good film to review I, <laughs> finally, finally we're gonna get a movie that we can actually see and enjoy we've reviewed great tv we've reviewed the mandalorian on this show we've reviewed the boys on this show we've had and we've had a spectacular guests but man the movie reviews uh for wonder woman 1984 next week uh, we should have that on the podcast. Happy holidays, everybody. We will see you after Christmas with Wonder Woman 1984. This is a Star Wars podcast. How about that? Another Star Wars podcast right here on the Hall of Justice.